You are listening to the podcast of the Gallery Church. Our desire is to display the goodness of God's grace and love to New York City. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at gallerychurch.com. Go ahead and grab your phones, your Bibles, and follow along with our scripture this morning. I'm going to read from the ESV. Our first passage is from Galatians. This is 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Our next passage is from John. This is 15, 1 through 6. I am the true vine, and my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I in the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Gallery Church. It is an honor and a pleasure uh, to stand before you this morning just to bring God's word. But I want to pivot for a moment before I even get to what I feel like is my assignment. When we are having a time of worship during that part of that song uh, that Jordan and Elizabeth were singing. In every season, I have a reason to worship. I just felt the tug of the Holy Spirit. And that, that there might be some people in this house that, have, that are just in a, in a difficult season. And it's difficult in that moment to be able to kind of bring, that, bring yourself to that place to just worship. So I want to take a moment and just kind of pause in that space before we move forward. That if that's you that's in this house or even joining us online, to encourage you that the condition of our life sometimes may be difficult. We may be on the mountaintop. We may be in the valley, somewhere in between. And unfortunately, when we get to that place where life sometimes gets difficult, we tie the condition of our life to the condition of God. I know I've done it personally. Yes, the guy that's supposed to be standing up in front of you, having it all together at all times, with a smile painted on his face, sometimes goes through that process where, God, I don't know what's going on. Life is terrible right now. And maybe that means you may be forgetting about me. Been there, done that, probably have the t-shirt. So I want to encourage you this this morning just for a moment. Without any of the music, without any of the song, to just tell you that God is for you, that he loves you, that you are fully seen, fully known, and fully loved. And just to rest in this space and accept that love for a moment, not because of anything you've done, not because you've been qualified in front of him, simply because he loves you. And you are his, and he is yours. Can we for a moment just accept that truth? 
And my hope is that that truth carries you through the darkest storm, the darkest season. My hope is that even in your best day, you can recognize that as much as you can on your worst day. Can we pray for a moment? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful. Grateful that you are a good God. Grateful that you love us even in our most unlovable moments. Grateful that when the world may not see us, when our friends and our family may not see us, Lord, you are El Roi, the God that sees me. And I pray that those that are in-house and those that are watching, regardless of what their season may look like, seasons of joy, seasons of anxiety, whatever it is, that we can just rest in that truth this morning. We need you, Holy Spirit. It is only with your help, Holy Spirit, that we're able to navigate this chaos. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So we began this year by taking uh, an in-depth look at the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit reveals himself to creation. Now, I want to say that we've had a lot of foundational weeks because before we could really look into how the Spirit transforms us, we had to answer a few questions. And one of the main questions was, well, who is the Holy Spirit? And I would say, if I did my math correctly, over the last 10 weeks, we've been looking at the Spirit's transforming work in us. We've been looking at how the Spirit transforms us into the image of God and answering more questions that if the Spirit is truly in us, what does that mean for how we live our life? How does the world see us? And is there any difference between someone who claims to be Spirit-filled and Christian and someone who's not? We took a look at Paul's instructions to the church in Galatia. To be led by the Spirit and to continually be filled by the Spirit. And that brings us to yet another question. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? And we said that fruit can only be evidenced by one who is following the Spirit and full of the Spirit. And this isn't more of us looking for self-help. No, it's us depending more on God. It is a call to all of us to really yield control, give up control of our lives to the Spirit. So to be led by that Spirit means to not only to be led in our flesh, our desires, our sinful and carnal nature. Instead, it's a life that is daily yielded. Every single day we give up control to the Holy Spirit. So in the text that was read today in Galatians chapter 5, Paul argues that a child of God full of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit will showcase the fruit of the Spirit. These are nine distinct character traits that we are seeing, that, 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 that are fully seen in Jesus. That is, being Spirit-filled and being a mature Christian, we will display love, we will display joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this is not just what we see on the outside, but it is a product of an infilling on the inside. And being filled on the inside 
the overflow are these nine characteristic traits. So we've covered seven so far. We have two more. Today, we're going to be covered gentleness. And in some translations, it's, it's called meekness. So I'll use those terms interchangeably. Let me start with the story. So I was born in the United States. I was born in the great state of Oklahoma. I know you probably never heard those phrases in the same sentence, but it's okay. To me, it is the great state of Oklahoma. But when I was very young, we moved to India. Uh, My whole family, my dad is a pastor of a church out in India. And so I remember there was this one time we jumped in his truck and we drove to this very remote village. And as soon as we got out, I was immediately terrified because there was an elephant working with this farmer. I mean, I was terrified. This thing was ginormous, right? And my dad assured me it was going to be okay because this elephant was tamed and trained from a very young age. So I stepped back and I just watched this elephant work, pulling out logs, carrying them from place to place, had a rope and was able to uproot this huge tree. And then moments later, I could see this incredibly strong and powerful elephant transition over into where there was a lot of thorn bushes, but in the middle was a little bit of hay and and some grass. And this guy, incredibly meticulous and gentle, reaches in without touching any of the thorn bushes and gets his meal. And for me, it was absolutely incredible to see that this elephant that can rip out a a tree, an established tree from its roots and carry all of these logs from one place to another could, as strong as this elephant is, be equally gentle and precise with the meal. I mean, I guess if I was hungry enough and you put a double cheeseburger in between thorn bushes, I might probably be just as meticulous. But this guy, I can't carry the logs, so I can't really be on the other side of this, right? This elephant was so strong, but yet incredibly gentle and precise. See, the biblical qualities of meekness and gentleness are are very misunderstood and really undervalued, I, I think, in our society today. We are often people that either angrily overreact or passively underreact, right? I guess that's just me, right? We either angrily overreact or passively underreact. And this trained elephant actually illustrates a great value of having both strength and careful gentleness. When Paul lists meekness or gentleness as the eighth attribute among the fruit of the Spirit, it's really twofold. Number one, we are to be meek, meaning yielded, teachable, responsive, first of all, in our relationship with God. And then secondly, we are to be meek, meaning humble and gentle and respectful in our relationship with people. But to become this type of person, much like a wild animal is trained and tamed at a young age, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to help train us. Now, I'm not calling us elephants. I'm saying we simply sometimes can be wild and on our own And we need the help of the Holy Spirit to be strong when it calls for it to be strong and be gentle when it calls for us to be gentle. And that 
that brings us to my first point. But for a moment, I want to tell you, like the Bible places a lot of importance on meekness. Matthew 5, verse 52, this is what it says. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I don't, I don't know about you, but that's a very serious reward, in my opinion, for being gentle and being meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And brings us to my first point, that meekness does not equal weakness. And youth pastor gear and youth pastor rhyming aside, that's a very important point that gentleness requires tremendous strength. Do we have any soccer fans in the house? Anybody? Yeah, we have some soccer fans. So people that, that watch European soccer. Have you ever seen where during a soccer game, when an, a, a player is actually injured, not the flailing and flopping, you know, and just to get a yellow card or a red card, but when a player is actually injured, which you'll notice, and they can't really walk on their own strength, there are these two people that rush from the side, and they have, it looks like a stretcher, but it's really two poles with cloth in between, and they, they'll lay the soccer player on the stretcher, and do this after service, not right now, but Google uh, or YouTube, soccer stretcher fails. Okay, so this is what t typically happens. There are these two guys, and the thing is, here's one thing you gotta know in soccer. They don't pause the time. So the goal is you gotta get the soccer player that's injured off the field as fast as possible because there's no, hey, let's pause and then continue the game afterwards. They continue the 45 minutes within the first half, the 45 minutes in the second half, and then they add a little bit of thing called stoppage time, but it's nowhere near the amount of time that's required to get somebody off the field, right? So they rush. And so you'll see that in some of these instances, they are going so quick and trying to get this individual off the field that they slip and they'll go three or four feet and drop the guy. And yes, it's absolutely hilarious to watch, like ridiculously funny to watch, but probably not too fun if you're the guy that's being dropped on the stretcher, right? If you are hurt and on this soccer field and you need help, you want someone that's equally strong enough to carry you off the field and yet gentle enough to make sure you safely get off the field without additional injuries, right? You went with a sprained ankle and now you have a concussion, right? You need somebody that's gonna be able to carry you with strength and yet gentleness. And there's somewhat of this paradox in terms of strength and gentleness, right? Imagine driving a car and like I did this morning, cutting off someone because I needed to get to the exit and expecting that individual to have great sign language towards me as well as honk his you know, car horn for the next 15 stops or whatnot. Imagine that individual driving up next to me smiling, waving, and a thumbs up. It's absolutely odd to even consider that type of reaction. But having this I'm going to get you back type of reaction or getting equally or angrier is really what's expected. So as a result, some people assume that a person who does not retaliate must be afraid or weak. 
but true strength is shown by a secure individual who, who can stay cool, thinks first, and then responds in a way that's really going to help the overall situation. It's really like what Proverbs says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Paul also wrote in Romans chapter 12 that to live in harmony with one another, not to repay evil for evil. So as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And even if it's for a moment, consider God, right? He's all powerful, but yet he never misuses his power. He's a perfect father, does not overreact, is gentle with us who are often unruly children and always does what's best for us. Then, always, then I look at Jesus Christ while he was here on earth. Although he could, could call on divine power, he was one approachable. He was sympathetic. He was kind. He was loving. And I love what he says in Matthew 11, verses 2. He says, take my yoke upon me. And this is the line. He says, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart. He used his power for healing rather than hurting. And we're called to remember his words. Learn from me, for I am gentle. Meekness does not equal being weak. Brings me to my second point, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be meek or to be gentle. See, the greatest power on earth is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is this spirit, God's spirit, that enables us to be far more meek and gentle than we could ever be without it. As Paul shows us in the letter to the churches in Galatia, Paul knew that the Christians there were really backsliding into hostile attitudes, personal conflicts. He wrote, and this is what he wrote, some of those people were, were biting and devouring each other. That's quotes. He urged them that through love to serve one another, reminding them you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, listen, Galatians, this is what you need to do. Walk in the spirit. And what did he say was the result of following the lead of God's Holy Spirit? And the answer is transformation. It's what we've been talking about for the last seven weeks. The result is fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And he's not saying that we are able to do this on our own or we strive to accomplish these things on our own. Paul is saying that God does not leave us on our own to work up these virtues. So what's the key here? What, like we've talked about all of this. What is really the key to being able to operate in this capacity of these traits, right? And it brings us to my next point. It is to be a branch that is attached, to be able to receive the help and to continue bearing spiritual fruit like gentleness, think of yourself as a branch. The key here is to stay attached to the trunk of the true vine, right? Mark read it this morning in John chapter 15, one through six, and I'd love to read that again to bring it back to your mind. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. 
He says, abide in me and I in you. And I love this part. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And he says it again. I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you didn't get the first four times, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm telling you, if we were to just put one scripture to collaborate with the Galatian scripture that we've read, that could preach in and of itself. He's saying we cannot do this without him. It is very obvious that we cannot do this without him. It's literally impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you. I try to be as transparent as possible when I have an opportunity to share. But for me, I have a tendency to be so irritable and impatient towards the people that are closest to me. And I know that it is impossible for me to be able to show these traits without the help of the Holy Spirit. And this is my favorite part of that, right? On the flip side of this, luckily, I don't have to do it on my own. I don't have to try and conjure up these things on my own. And I'll say this over and over and over again because I think we need to be able to understand this because we live in a time where the glory is found in accomplishing tasks and milestones and gaining accolades on our own, right? But this, this thing right here, it is impossible to do on our own. But we can look to Paul's words to the church in Corinth and lean on this truth. But he said for me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. There is power in calling for help. Can I say that again this morning, church? If you're in-house and if you're watching, there's power in calling for help. Let me use this this lamp as, as an example for a moment. I'm gonna bring it over here. Some of us are are sometimes like this lamp. We kind of understand the capacity in which we are called to operate in, and we are trying to strive and conjure up this light that we are supposed to be shining in this world, right? You're clicking, you're changing the light bulb, you're checking everything, and nothing is working. And it is very simple, and sometimes it may seem like this example is rudimentary, but I think to me at least, it speaks volumes, that we are trying to operate without being connected to a power source. And no matter how much we try and pull the string or click on on the button or flip it on and off or change the light bulbs or change the aesthetics or trying to make it perfect or trying to make it look good so that everyone else can, can think that we are a lamp that shines or maybe blend in near other lamps because the light of that lamp is bright enough to show that maybe we're showing our light and it just doesn't work simply because what? We're not connected to the power source. We're trying to operate on our own and it is impossible. I want to make sure that it's back exactly where 
put it this morning. And again, I know this seems extremely rudimentary. Sometimes we just need to call for help and be connected and be infilled to a power source. The Holy Spirit. It's so easy to see how desperately we as people need God's spirit to overcome what Paul calls the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. He says the ugly and evil tendencies of human nature. We need meekness and gentleness in the place of hatred, in the place of contentions, of jealousies, of outbursts of wrath, of selfish ambitions, of dissensions. Like I was saying earlier, to keep our attitudes and actions meek and gentle, we need to swim upstream against the current culture. Gentle and meek is typically not the standard. Paul even mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. That is the time that we are in. If we were to pause and look around, we could essentially see this description in the culture that is around us. But we, as the people of God, sons and daughters of God, are called to swim against the current culture in love, in joy, in these characteristics, but today to, to display gentleness and meekness. And like Stan says, I'll land here. To swim against the current is a tall order and it can be exhausting if we attempt to do it on our own. Understand that meekness isn't weakness. <laughs> Understand that the Holy Spirit does empower us to be gentle, to be meek, as long as we continue to stay plugged in and our branches attached to the true vine. Let's pray. Jesus, we recognize in this moment that we simply cannot show these traits. We, it's impossible to be gentle and meek without the infilling of your Holy Spirit. So my hope is, Lord, that we are able to consistently lean on you to stay plugged in to you and understand on our own it is impossible. So we ask, Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would you fill us so that we may be able to bear fruit do a work in us, Jesus, so that through us we would be able to shine this light. We need you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. We all say, amen. Thank you for listening. We pray you are encouraged in your walk with God through this podcast. For more information about this church, please visit our website at gallerychurch.com.